0: That's because uh, you are a Shyamalan apologist.
1: I am not a Shyamalan apologist. I am a Shyamalan fan. Those are the same Uh,
0: thing. No, they're... Oh, shut up. Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley here on the 175th episode of Radio Drome. With me is Cecil T. celebrating his 25th episode as a regular of dragging this thing down into the muck. Yay! He's even proud of it. Isn't that sick? And then there's, I think he's like 77, 80 episodes, something like that. We actually stopped counting after a while. Of Alex Jowski.
2: Yes, and I'm notorious for not being able to keep Josh in line as well as Brad could. Okay, he's he's a little bit bitter. Before we go into
0: the 175th thing, I want to read a comment from one of our most diehard ardent fans. Dracula, this goes out to you. I'm quoting Dracula from the Something Awful forums. In other news, for some ungodly reason, I keep listening to Radiodrome, even without Brad. They have interesting topics on there, unfortunately, but Josh Hadley insists on being the worst person and shrieks like a harpy any time he has a point to make. Despite that I still listen for some masochistic reason, despite how much I hate that prick. Unquote. And uh, do you guys like how I read that? Probably adding a lot more pathos to it than his In other news for some ungodly reason! that I'm sure it was written in.
2: Yeah, see, I don't think you shriek like a harpy at all, Josh. You're really more like a siren.
0: Now, do you mean like a siren, like a tornado siren, or like a siren
2: luring men to their deaths? Because I thought that's what you did on weeknights. No, you lure men to their deaths because you'll be like, we're going to talk about this interesting topic. And then you kill their ears with your rant about Back to the Future being racist.
1: Well, I was thinking more, I wouldn't say shrieking as much as just yelling. So because you you get to a point of where it's like, and this is going to be this way. I have never heard dirt dirt ever. Oh, you dirt hurt all the time. What are you talking about? You,
2: you are dirt about everything.
1: <laughs> you are so
2: dirt dirt about everything. So, if it's after 1995, it's her dirt dirt
0: <laughs> <laughs> So I want to say, Dracula, this episode is dedicated to you. On that note, Because, Cecil, this is your 25th episode as a regular, and 175 is a nice milestone to hit, I'm going to make you do the Adam and Eve promo, and then we're going to talk about how you've elevated this show, except to Dracula. Are you going to do the Adam and Eve promo or not, Cecil?
1: Ah, shit! I'm doing the Adam and Eve promo, and I'm muted. Let's try that again. Go to AdamandEve.com and use the promo code DROME to get 50% off a single item. Free shipping in the U.S.,
0: three free DVDs, and a free mystery gift. And see, do you see how eloquent he was and how he doesn't even have to read off a piece of paper anymore? Cecil, I I think you've added a new dimension to the show, because otherwise it's just Alex and I, and he's got no spine, so he never fights with me at all. you you add a whole new dimension to this, so thank you. Well, thank you. You want to take this outside, Josh? I don't want to take this outside. I'm not in the mood for a blowjob right now. (laughs) That's not what I meant. And also, just to
1: throw it out there... There, that's not a slight at Brad because I'm sure some people are going to take oh, it I, that you're, way.
0: They're going to take that as a slight at Brad. That, oh, Josh said Cecil's better than Brad.
1: Absolutely not a slight at Brad. Brad decided to move on to his own thing, and he's doing really well, and it's awesome, and we all still get along with him. Great. There's no bad blood. It was just a time when he decided to move on. You know, we had we I had been on a few episodes prior. We had really good chemistry and got along, so they brought me on board. It's just like when uh, when Joel left Mystery Science Theater and they brought on Mike. You know, it's a new dimension. It doesn't mean that one's better than the other.
2: Though not to slam Joel, Mike was better. I, I, I got to go with that, too. I, 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 I got to go
0: with Mike as well.
1: But Yeah, I got to go with
0: Mike as well. But <laughs> See, the thing is, Brad, Alex, and I had a certain dynamic. Cecil, Alex, and I have a completely different dynamic. So to me, what it comes down to is... It's a different show, and that's not a slight against Brad, Brian, Jared, or any of the past co-hosts. That's just the dynamic is different. No better, no worse. So, that said, to celebrate our 175th episode, we're going to do another Cecil topic. This was an unintentional Cecil topic as well. You guys might remember when Cecil did his ignorant, he-knows-nothing-about-advertising poster video and we turned that into a topic right now cecil has shown his ignorance all over again but he had the audacity to do a video on why movie trailers are wrong cecil do you want to explain what happened with this before we get into it well i will say that
1: the trailers video was received a lot better than the posters video was initially initially when the posters video came out i got so many i have no idea what i'm talking about i don't understand uh anything i don't understand marketing and then it kind of flipped around to where people then started commenting and saying oh my god i totally agree with you you're so right you have great examples i mean i still got a smattering of hatred once in a while but with the trailers video The majority of the stuff right out of the gate was really positive. People were like, oh, these points are are spot on. They are right. This is stuff that I hate. I can't stand what trailers. I don't want to say so much as have become, because even as I say in the video, trailers have always had problems. But it just seems that now beyond just the problems uh, of showing too much and all that stuff they have these cliches and formulas that they fall into and it's just they're getting used
0: over and over and over again
1: and uh, i pissed off i don't know if it actually is or not but the guy presented himself as editor for the trailer for gravity he posted on my site or sorry not on my site he posted on youtube and he posted on joe blow which was uh really big Moop site that had reposted uh, my video, basically bashed me on both things,
0: saying that I'm an amateur, I, that I, also, I don't know what I'm... I, I'm going to stop you there for a second. It's been a while since I've seen the trailer for Gravity, but wasn't it basically one long uncut shot from the movie and then a smash cut to the titles? Does that require a lot of editing? Not particularly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, I just trailer... want to point that out. Unless there's a different trailer for Gravity, but that's the one I saw. I only saw that one as well. I'm
1: sure there probably were other ones out there, which possibly, you know, he may have done, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was was kind of a basic trip. Although I will say, in the grand scheme of things, following the way that my video was presented, something like that I think was actually effective because it just showed a small chunk of the film, it didn't spoil the entire thing, and it gave you a feeling it 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 obviously worked because people you know went to go see that movie in droves so that was even though the guy was a complete dick to me i think that that trailer however basic was effective
2: generally he's spot on with that i mean a lot of the things in that trailer things we've discussed before but he's spot on that they've been using the same things forever in fact i was like oh he better mention the pause for comedy and yeah you did Well, and then see some things I disagreed
1: with you on. I researched this for three months. That's three months of watching trailers, compiling them and deciding which ones I wanted to put in the video. 133 made it into the final cut. So this wasn't something that I just kind of was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to talk about movie trailers. I did my freaking homework. Yeah, I didn't pull it out of my ass. I freaking I did my I, I did my work. And that's what really kind of bugged me, because it was like... Some of the comments
0: comments I saw were basically calling you stupid because the things that you were complaining about, they loved in trailers. So the fact that you think they were overrated made you come across like a snob to them. That's the gist I got from some of the comments I saw. Well, the thing was, I wasn't saying that they were
1: bad. I, I mean, I think that a lot of them are effective they work but the problem is is they're doing them time and time and time again and you're watching trailers where you'll watch one trailer and they'll do the in a world and there's one thing they weren't counting on and they'll do the 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 brahms noise and all that and then they get to the next trailer and they'll do the same thing and it's so bad when i went to see captain america they ran the trailer for a horror movie that escapes me at the moment Right when they do the whole, you know, one note that leads up and builds and goes to a a cut to black and then pause, boo scare, there was actually somebody that was a couple rows in front of me. And right when they got to the, the black screen, he goes, three, two, one, and then boo scare. And that just goes to show that. It's, it's no longer effective. These things don't work anymore. They might have been really good at one point, but now they've been done to death, and they need to find some other ways to convey this stuff to us. Well, there's
0: misleading the audience. See, that, that's misleading the audience is one of my biggest ones, which is it, it's one thing if you're just trying to sell an element of the film, but it's another when you highlight like Highlander Endgame the film. Highlander Endgame's trailer had so much footage shot for it. Almost a third of the trailer is footage that was never meant to be part of the film and was shot, according to the producers, and I'm quoting, to make the trailer more exciting. It's got all these amazing scenes that make you go, This movie's gonna be awesome! Then you find out, wait a minute, there's absolutely nothing like that in this movie? By the way, that did result in a lawsuit. I don't know what happened with that lawsuit. But they were sued for false advertising for doing that. Now, there are a couple other kinds of misleading. There are misleading ones like Strange Days, where the trailer did have footage that was specifically shot for it, but in that case, it was so clearly not meant to be part of the film. And then you have ones that try to sell you a different movie. Like Man of the Year from 2006, that Christopher Walken, Robin Williams movie. That thing was sold... As a political comedy. It is not a comedy. That thing is a drama with serious overtones that has a few comical moments, all of which made it in the trailer. I don't know a single person that saw Man of the Year that walked out of that going, that is not the movie that was in
2: the damn trailer. Okay, the job of a trailer is to make you want to see the movie. So sometimes, you know, misdirection will help because they're like, Oh, this movie totally sucks. How am I going to sell this? Well, I'll sell this angle instead. So that's more of what you're talking about selling a particular aspect of the film. Drive, for instance. Hey, it has a couple action scenes. We can sell this as an action film. When the film is sold as a wacky comedy
0: set in the world of politics, and it's actually a futuristic drama about about the wrong man being elected that just happens to have some funny moments you watch the trailer and you go this is a comedy you watch the movie and you go this was not a comedy
2: oh robin williams this must be a comedy
0: that is just straight out deception that we sold a different movie to you or or is that do you think they were just trying to get you to go see it no matter what they were just trying to get
2: you to go see it no matter what also the fact that it sucked too but okay I actually never watched it.
0: I watched it because I thought it was going to be a funny comedy.
2: See, I didn't watch it because I thought it was going to be a shitty comedy. Bridge to Terabithia is another really good example. Uh, I had
1: a friend of mine who took his kid to the theater to see it, and the movie was – the trailer for it, rather – uh, was presented as kind of a Harry Potter-type film. These two kids, they discover this world of whimsy I do, and I magic. I do
0: remember that. I haven't seen that trailer since whenever it was new, but I do remember that now that you bring that up. Yeah, it was very much sold to the Harry Potter audience. And it's so not that movie.
1: They go to the mystical world once, and it's really about these kids that have just Awful lives. I was going to say, aren't
0: they trying to escape reality by going into their heads? Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah the, to the, the, the their... fantasy world doesn't exist. And at no point in the movie do they can try to convince you that it exists.
1: Yeah, whereas the trailer made it totally look like these kids are going to go to a land of mystery. And, and they're going to discover, you know, it was like their way of escaping reality by going into this place for real. When in actuality, it's just them
0: in their own heads. And, uh, what, what, what about the Highlander Endgame thing where they shot all I – mean, you know the scene with Duncan and Connor in the time oh, portal. Yeah, the uh, guy gets cut in half. Yeah, uh, he gets cut in half. He stops a sword in midair. There's a sniper shooting immortals. There's the big villain lineup walking out of a just-exploded building. There is, there's Connor's head inside some kind of a bubble where he's screaming, and none of that – all of that was shot for an extra million bucks – specifically to and i'm quoting again make the trailer more exciting not the movie the trailer well like like i said with with
1: black uh, the remake of black christmas they had shot scenes specifically for the trailer after the film wrapped without the director's knowledge to pump up the trailer because they didn't think that uh it was exciting enough they needed more scenes of violence and just stuff and and there were scenes that did look really cool Lacey Chabert is being dragged into some kind of thresher by Christmas lights, and there's a girl trapped under ice, and there's a, um, uh, Billy is, like, hanging from the roof above, uh, one of the girls, and it's just, it, it did make it seem like it was gonna be so much bigger, but then you see the movie, and I, I initially didn't like it, but I, I've gone back and revisited it and actually really enjoy it now,
2: and, I actually uh, think
0: it's one of the worst slasher films of the O'Hos, but, okay.
2: It's yeah, I I, to... I thought the original was one of the worst of the 70s, too. So,
0: oh,
1: blasphemy. The original the original's one of the best in the remake. Bob
0: Clark, one. damn it.
1: Bob Clark, man. But the whole thing was uh, that was just, again, lying to the audience. Like, I understand that stuff that they make uh, that they put into the trailer sometimes just hits the cutting room floor for whatever reason it's not going to be in the movie and that's fine they filmed it with the intention of putting it in the movie but filming it with the intention of putting it in the trailer and not putting it in the movie is just lying to the audience and how do they not think that people aren't going to be pissed off that they're they're completely given a bait and switch
2: i was going to say the paranormal activity 3 trailer is one where the entire trailer is scenes that are not in the movie at all and they they totally lead you to think that it's going to be about something else but As far as Paranormal Activity trailers go, that's the only trailer that doesn't follow the Paranormal Activity trailer format. Not showing the movie, showing the audience instead.
0: Yeah, I I do remember those. I think, like Cecil pointed out, there is a difference between when you shoot scenes that end up being cut. For instance, Alien 3. The original trailer, and I don't mean the teaser, the one where it said it was set on Earth. The actual trailer for Alien 3, the first one, probably... A third to a half of the trailer are scenes that only appear in the work print version. Some of those scenes are not even on the DVD or Blu-ray extended director's cut. They're scenes that are in no cut of the film. But I believe they had the intention that this was our rough cut when we gave it to the trailer people to make a trailer out of. They just picked the, the best scenes. So there are cases where you can say, all right, fine, fair enough. Terminator 2. Again, not counting the teaser trailer, but the first trailer for the movie had all of the Kyle Reese scenes in it, which of course made it nowhere into the theatrical cut because all of because that subplot was deemed superfluous when the running time had to get down. I don't blame Cameron for being deceptive on
2: that. That was just we had to lose that subplot. No, I don't blame people for being deceptive if because you know, they're given scenes of the movie to make a trailer with. And it's not the the person who cut the trailer's fault that that stuff didn't end up in the movie but if they're marketing and they're like we need to shoot scenes specifically for the trailer to sell a completely different movie that's that's flat out lying and that's i have no respect for that what about joe dante
0: went back when he was the trailer cutter for roger corman and remember they had that helicopter explosion he was told by corman to work into as many trailers as possible Even if the movie didn't have a helicopter explosion in it, the trailer did. Is that the same kind of deceptive because they just kept reusing a shot from another film? Or is that on the same level as the Highlander Endgame deception? Or because it was Corman, why do we give that a pass when Joe Dante was doing that for Corman, but we get so pissy when it happens with Paranormal Activity 3 and Highlander Endgame?
2: Who says we give Corman a pass for that? I don't.
3: When I started cutting trailers for other people's films, uh, it was kind of easy because I had seen a lot of trailers when I was a kid. I loved trailers. I was ruthless in just showing anything. I mean, if a major character got killed, it's okay, I'd put it in the trailer. If, something, if there was some, some plot point that uh, ruined the movie but was good for the trailer, I'd put it in the trailer. Then it came time to make a trailer for my own movie that I directed, and I realized that I couldn't do it. Because I was saying, oh God, I can't show this. Oh, I can't give this away. Oh, we worked awful hard to make this a surprise. Can't put this in. Unfortunately, the the rubric is that you really are not the best guy to make your own trailer because there's just too many things going on that you want to hide, and and the secret of trailers is just putting it all out there and trying to get people to fill the seats. Trailers that we did pictures for were, shall we say, of lesser quality, and uh, so it, it became imperative at times to. Slightly misrepresent the contents of the movie. The problem would come if the movie itself was badly photographed and looked bad, or if it had really bad sound, because you can't hide those things in a trailer unless you just don't don't show them. So uh, on a, on a couple of occasions, there would be a movie where the photography would be just so dreadful that we would we would do um, animations instead and stills and things that would. Uh, hide the fact that it was a, a really ropey looking movie and and uh, the same thing with the soundtracks, sometimes they were very hollow and badly recorded and uh, we would either dub them ourselves or we would just cut out the sound altogether and just put music and sound effects. didn't have much plot. I mean, there was wasn't much story. And so we um uh, were' pretty cavalier about just saying, okay, this is this is not a movie about a Chinese hitman. it's a movie about uh, drug smuggling. And uh, there was a scene in one of the pictures where they were they were buying sugar or something, and so we, we did an optical zoom into it, and we called it the Deadly China White, which nobody was supposedly looking for, but it's really just a guy buying sugar. But, it, but you don't know that. you know. Uh, the first time you see the trailer, you don't know that until you see the movie. And, then, and by the time you see the movie, chances are you may have forgotten what was in the trailer, because the, the trailers weren't meant to be memorable. They were only meant to be um, something that would entice you to go see the movie. And because of the way the pictures were distributed at that time, which was on the trailer TV, on TV spots for like a week before the picture opened, then the picture would open, it would play for a week or so. And nobody would really remember that, that the exploding helicopter that you put into the trailer isn't really in the movie. What the, in the trade used to be called slack-jawed droolers. And so those kind of people really didn't care much about what was in the movie. They just wanted to know there was enough stuff to make it worth watching. And, but some of the movies were better and of course at a certain point Roger started distributing foreign films and uh, these were you know, classy movies for classy people and you couldn't, you couldn't cheat on that stuff because the, the, the audience was just much hipper um, but on occasion we would uh, intentionally misrepresent a movie just to, to be able to get it out there and the other issue was that um, Roger never gave up on a movie if the picture didn't open uh, he would pull it back, change the title, change the campaign change the trailer and put it out again um, sometimes, unfortunately, to the same theater <laughs> that they played before. Uh, the worst uh, situation would be that if, if the same picture was playing on a double bill uh, with two different titles because the theater people didn't know that that was two different movies. Because you really would make them look completely different, cram it all at the audience really fast in a way that makes the picture look faster and louder and more busy than the actual movie may be. Now, some of these exploitation movies, which are made rather, rather cheaply, Uh, They have a couple of highlights within them, but in general, sometimes they're kind of draggy. The great thing about the trailer is that you get rid of all that stuff and you just take all the highlights and you cram them all together. Um, There's got to be, of course, uh, fistfights. There's got to be gunshots. There's got to be some nudity. A lot of nudity would be good, but a little nudity is fine. It depends on what what the trailer's rated because they had R-rated trailers and G-rated trailers. And and to make a G-rated trailer on a really violent, sexy movie was tough because you just couldn't put stuff in it. You had to do it all with innuendo. Uh, and it was very challenging but the great thing about it was that these pictures were almost guaranteed to make a certain amount of money no matter how bad the trailer was or how bad the movie was because there was a ready market at that point for exploitation pictures in grindhouses and drive-ins and it was a, a market that was just a yawning chasm needing to be fed and so it wasn't just Roger making these pictures he had there were many competitors making them a, a lot cheaper in many cases than he was doing them if you look back on the era of the 70s, it is the most wild and woolly period in American filmmaking because the, the the rating system had come in. People now had license to be able to do things that they could never have done before. The gore quotient was higher, the sex quotient was higher, and um, the trailers themselves are pretty astounding. But but some of the movies are really quite remarkable. I mean, you would look at them and you think you could never make this picture today because there would be just, nobody would nobody would stand for it. it, it we've really come a long way backward in terms of uh, what we will stand for. The Beach Girls As long as you did give the producers what they needed to sell the movie, there was a lot of freedom there. I mean, you you either didn't have the freedom to go over budget or spend too much money or any of that kind of stuff, but in in terms of telling the story, uh, learning how to to, uh, make films, basically, um, there was a lot of experimentation going on, and that's why you look back at some of these pictures and they really are uh, quite interesting even from even from filmmakers who did not go on to have big names but just people who were there in the arena trying it out at that point and uh, the tones of some of these movies are much more flippant than, than it would have been allowed later uh, there's a lot of satire um, it, it's, a, it's a really, it's a ripe uh, area for, for um, rediscovery I don't know. Uh, a trailer for a great movie can be disappointing uh, I find that the trailers that I enjoy the most are the ones that are actually made by the filmmakers uh, something I've already admitted I wasn't good at, but uh, you know, the, the, when H- Kubrick took over his trailers, and when Hitchcock took over his trailers, and merchandised his personality, which was what he was selling by that point, because the television show, and Otto Preminger, people like that, they would sometimes put themselves into the trailers, and they would make little movies. You know, the Citizen Kane trailer is is a is a short subject. I mean, it's a, it's wonderful, um, and th- so those are my those are my favorites. But as far as just the down and dirty. Uh, kind of eyeball-kicking trailers. I-, I think you really have to go to the 70s for those because of the content. Um, I mean, one of the trailers on your list of stuff uh, is Star Crash, which, uh, which I did for Roger, which was one of the last trailers I did. And um, it was an Italian film made by a guy named Luigi Cozzi, who was a, a huge sci- uh, science fiction buff. And he did this sort of pseudo-Ray Harryhausen kind of Star Wars rip-off with Carolyn Monroe. It was called *The Adventures of Stella Star* at one point, and it, uh, it had her basically walking around in this really skimpy costume with a big ray gun for most of it, and a lot of stop motion, a lot of, and not a lot of plot, but a lot of spectacle, as, as much as there could be with no money. By this point, I had done so many trailers that I, I had gotten to the point where I was sometimes parodying the movies instead of making the trailer. But in this case, I just decided to make a tone poem out of this thing by having just a bunch of shots just all the good shots that there were in the movie because it had this great score by john barry which i have no concept of how that happened but anyway there was there was this great score and so i just did um a short subject basically and i don't think there's much dialogue in it at all it's all music and um it was very satisfying i I really enjoyed making that trailer but that was right around the time that i was leaving Trailers today, unfortunately, are are not the product of one or two or three guys. Trailers today are um, a giant advertising um, scheme and uh, they're the product of advertising agencies. And very often a studio will go to more than one agency and have trailers made for the same picture and then take all the trailers they get and cut them apart and put them all together and mash them up into this sort of thing that has no real identity and no real you know cinematic grace or anything like that it's just stuff um and the idea of course is to try to put as many um spoilers in the trailer <laughs> as possible <laughs> because you know why, why should people enjoy the movie when they see the trailer um so I, I think the art of the trailer is really kind of um in decline uh, because it's it, how many people running away from fireballs can you see in a movie? And it's like, okay, I get it.
1: It was one scene, and I think that's the major difference, was that... But uh, it was it, one
0: scene that was in about 15 different trailers, and that scene is in none of those 15 movies.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not saying that it's right, but I mean, it's it's wrong, but it's wrong in a different way. So no, I'm totally not giving them a pass, but I'm just saying it's that it's, it's wrong, but it's not wrong in the way that they shot a whole slew of extra material to put in the trailer versus this one scene that ended up in a bunch of trailers.
0: What about the deception of, like, Lady in the Water? That it's essentially a fairy tale movie, but you look at that trailer and this thing is sold as a boo-scare horror film. Are, that... are, 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 you, are you not, when you do that, are you not risking pissing off the audience that you've got going to that? Because... A horror. Someone who's going for a booscare horror film is not going to like Lady in the Water, which sucked anyway. But you know that, that's neither here nor there.
1: Uh, I personally really, really, really enjoy Lady in the Water, but that's because
0: uh, you are a Shyamalan
1: apologist. But
0: okay. I am not a Shyamalan apologist. I am a Shyamalan fan.
1: Those are the same uh, thing. No, they're. Oh, shut up. I think that the whole Lady in the Water thing. It also came at a bad time. Because that was right around the time when there was all of a sudden the, you know, ooh, what a twist, when all the people started kind of goofing on him for the studio to put out a trailer for a movie and completely falsify the trailer. Use different music and use scenes out of context and make it look like a horror movie when in actuality it was A uh, bedtime story, you know, a fairy tale that he wrote for his kids. I mean, even in the credits, it says, you know, that this is for his kids. When he was doing the, the tour junket for it, talking about the movie, he was saying that this was a fairy tale that he wrote for his kids. The trailers came out and it made it look like a horror film. And the majority of the people, they didn't see him on talk shows and whatnot trying to say, no, this isn't a horror movie. Uh, this is a little bit of a departure for me. I'm doing more of a fa- uh, fairy tale film. And then people went to the theater expecting a scare and they get this movie that is a fairy tale and they leave the theater saying, oh, it sucked. It was terrible. Honestly, probably would have appreciated it more if they knew what they were getting into. I mean, I'm not saying that there are there are people out there who who dislike it for what it is, and that's fine. But I think that there wouldn't have been as many people bashing it if they would have gone in expecting a fairy tale instead of expecting a horror film.
0: See, to me, the most deceptive movie trailer of all time is Sucker Punch, because it tricked me into thinking that the movie wasn't one of the worst films ever made. Oh, hush.
2: Here's the studio's perspective on that, that, yeah, like with Lady in the Water, they're totally misleading you into thinking it's a horror film. The studio does not care if you like the movie or not. They just care that you paid to see it. Not necessarily from the trailer, but
0: look at Crow City of Angels. They do care if you like it, because when you don't like it, you tell your friends how much this sucked and this lied to you. And then your box office gross takes a, look at like City, Crow City of Angels, a 68% drop from Saturday to Monday. That is a huge... Maybe we should have made this movie good instead of just hoping the the opening weekend would make us our money back. When the movie sucks and you feel like you're lied to, especially in the age of the internet, you tell everybody else and they avoid
2: the film. Oh, especially in the age of the internet, because I was making a point the other day about before the age of an internet, if a movie sucked and nobody watched it, then it never existed. Nowadays, if a movie sucks, oh, the internet will let everybody know that it sucks. So yes, I
0: don't agree with your thing that they don't care whether people like it because they know people not liking it and feeling lied to is going to hurt them hard after the first three days of its release. There's the fly at the camera for action movies. They want to
1: leave you with like a sense of, holy shit! So they'll cut to something flying at the camera right at the end, and then they'll either smash cut to the name of the movie or they'll smash cut to the release date. And that
0: just happens over and over and over again. The one I, I don't like that's in that vein is the fade-up, fade-down, fade-up, fade-down, fade-up, fade-down, where, where maybe the three-minute trailer will have 500 edits in it.
2: Oh, you're talking the strobe?
0: Not just a strobe. Sometimes it's it's just a fade-up to a fade-back. But it is the strobe a lot. That I find really irritating and basically a, hey, epileptics, we don't want you to watch this trailer.
2: Those fades are usually accompanied with... Well,
0: yes, they usually have the War of the Worlds inception (laughs) noise, which I know was another thing on Cecil's list. But I just can't stand those quick cut. For example, go back and look at the trailer for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest from the 70s or the trailer for Network from 76. And you'll notice the trailers are much more slow-paced and they're not as quick to cut and they they're still telling a story without needing to have an edit every 4 frames. This is not 13 Ghosts the 13 Ghosts remake we're watching here where holding a shot for more than a second is a mortal sin.
1: Yeah, the the fade up
0: fade down is just is
1: irritating because it's it's just a lazy way of, cry, you know, you've got three minutes to tell a story and uh, get people interested and you use a good chunk of that time with fades. It's just like, it's like, all right, well, we got two scenes together. All right, drop a fade in between them, drop. And it just, yeah, it it just gets really annoying. Then there is, uh, as Alex mentioned, the pause for comedy, which drives me up the
0: freaking wall because it's always... would you Would you put the pause for comedy in the same category as the as you pointed out in your video, out of date record scratch.
2: It's the modern record scratch, I'd say.
0: Because yeah, I think it's those two modern things, scratch. Yeah, th- those two things are kind of similar enough that I would group them together. I think. Absolutely, that's why I had mentioned it in in the video. I was like, you know, the record scratch, it, you know, it's hey,
1: everything's wacky and. Uh, And then here comes the punchline and it's just, it was so bad. And now with the pause for comedy, it's the same thing. Oh, the music's playing and everything's all, you know, all great. And and then just dead stop punchline. And, and then usually they'll follow that up with somebody making a stupid face or like a what,
2: you know, it's so bad. Yeah, comedy trailers are the or, worst. A lot of the times you'll get the title of the movie and you'll get that comedy pause right after the t- the title has like their their last word in before the next trailer starts. Well, and then I, I don't know when this started, but this kind of goes back to your boo-scare thing.
0: How there's always one – when no matter what trailer I'm watching, when I was on Trailer Park, no matter what trailer I was watching – I'd say 95% of them did this, where they give you the title, and you'll notice there's still 10 seconds on the trailer. And there's always one more quick scene after the title. I remember when I was a kid, it, the title was the last thing. After the title, it would, it, would have a, it would have a dissolve into like you know the director and whatnot, and then that was the end of the trailer. When did we start adding the one more scene after the title thing?
2: You know what I got into the habit of doing with trailers that they don't really do anymore? was where they would show the production credits right there at the, the last frame.
0: Yeah, the, 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 that's what I mean. You always yeah. saw the bottom of the movie poster, essentially, after the title. Now they always add an extra scene, which if it's a horror film is a boo scare. If, it is an, if it's an action movie or a sci-fi movie, it's something blowing up. And if it's a comedy, it's it's something, in quotes, comical. After it's just a real quick... Cecil you researched this when did we start doing that when did we start doing the extra scene I don't know the exact date
1: of when we started doing the stinger but um I I think it started sometime probably around the late 90s and it's just escalated in in recent years to the point of where now every trailer has a stinger at the end
0: now they actually tout who made the movie, sometimes to the point of overdoing it, like a horrendous train wreck like Project X, that Todd Phillips, Todd Phillips, his name is all over that. All he did was executive produce it, and that was after the movie was already made. He had nothing whatsoever to do with the making of that film. You watch that trailer, they really want you to think Todd Phillips directed Project X. I know well, a lot of people that thought that was a Todd Phillips film because of the way that trailer sold it as. I mean, I I think they mentioned Todd Phillips five times in the trailer in those quick in those quick text on the screen moments.
2: Touting the director of the film or somebody associated with it isn't necessarily new. I mean, Hitchcock movies were advertised as being, oh, this is Hitchcock. But nowadays, but Hitchcock it's more the-
0: directed those.
2: Yeah, Hitchcock directed those. Nowadays, it's more of the from the producers of Paranormal Activity or what was that one? That Oculus, which was not a bad movie, from what I hear. But they sold that as being from the director of Paranormal Activity, and I'm like, no, it's not. He he had nothing to do with this movie. It's the same company that distributed it. That's it. Also, on
0: that producers of Paranormal Activity and Insidious. Apparently, they produce every horror movie made today. That movie. Oculus has eight executive producers. First of all, executive means the buck stops with them. How do you have eight executive producers? Now, of those eight executive producers, not a single one of those produced Paranormal Activity nor Insidious. They did produce the sequels to those. In fact, Jason Blum, the producer of Paranormal Activity and Insidious, is only a consultant on Oculus.
2: They so, own the same company that made those. That's just the thing. It's the company, not the person. But but that's what we as movie fans know. To
0: your average film goer, oh my god, I loved Paranormal Activity and Insidious. This is by the same people. No, not really. No, it's not. Also, just on a side rant, executive producer credit means nothing anymore. Jason Blum. Counting 2015, so within the next year and a half, he is executive producing 31 films. Okay, I think it's safe to say he has no input in all of these 31 films he's producing in about 18 months. To me, the executive producer credit, especially the way it's used on trailers, is a complete falsehood.
1: Well, how many people think that Tim Burton is the director of Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas.
0: Well, the fact that his f***ing name's above the title, that egomaniac. Exactly. He didn't write it, he didn't direct it, he didn't even produce it. He executive produced it and came up with the concept. Why does that get your name above the title? And then what
1: happens is, years later, he's like, I need another film that kind of has that Nightmare Before Christmas uh, vibe. And he goes, and he does Corpse Bride directs it and what happens it sucks and then everybody's like wow nightmare when he did nightmare before christmas it was so much better that's because he didn't do it
0: i i also remember because because of the the kind of manipulative way that they sold nightmare before christmas when when henry Selick went and directed monkey bone when that was by the director of nightmare before christmas i know a lot of people that thought that was a tim burton film because they just assumed Tim Burton directed Nightmare Before
2: Christmas. I so, corrected so many people with that with Coraline, which was another one that Henry Selleck did that has nothing at all to do with Tim Burton. See, based so, on a Neil Gaiman story.
0: Yes, so everybody so, wants Jowski, to you Tim can, Burton. Jowski, you can back me up that that, honestly, I think the Nightmare Before Christmas trailer probably did more damage to, to Selleck's career than it helped Burton's, really.
2: Yeah, because now everything Henry Selleck touches is automatically going to be, Oh, it's Tim Burton's! I, I saw uh, Hero, the Jet Li movie,
1: and it was a movie that I unfortunately don't remember who had made it, but it was originally made overseas, and then... Was it Tarantino's name on the American trailer? Bingo. Tarantino, now, he didn't have anything to do with the movie, but he was directly responsible for getting that movie American distribution. So... After the movie ended, there was a whole bunch of guys that were like, wow, Tarantino did it again. And it was like, no, like, I I know you don't like Tarantino. I like Tarantino a lot. And it was kind of like, oh, you know, they're using his name to get people into the theater when really all he did was bring it over into the U.S. Now, the flip side of that is people probably wouldn't have gone to see
0: it if it didn't have Tarantino's name attached. Hence why the marketing people used Tarantino's name on that, because they had to. So then, do you think that movie trailers are more or less deceptive today than they were? I I think they're not as inventive, because I know when Scott Murray and I did a Lost in the Static on movie trailers a long time ago, we compared the One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest trailer to the then-new, and the movie was unreleased at that point, Tron Legacy trailer. The Tron Legacy trailer is just, ooh! look at all the CGI. You know, this is the original trailer for it. They don't tell you anything about the story, anything about the characters. It's just two light cycles battling one another. And I looked at that and went, why does that make me want to go see your film? I don't know what it's about. I don't know who it's about. Then you look at the one flew over the cuckoo's nest trailer. And in that three and a half minutes, you want to see more of these characters because they show you enough that you care about them. Am I the weirdo that's going, when you don't show me what your movie's about and you just go, flashy effects, flashy effects, flashy effects, why is that supposed to sell the movie to me? I think that there,
1: there has to be a fine line, and unfortunately, current wave of, of cutters just will jump Straight over that line and show way too much of the film. There has to be a line between getting you interested and intrigued in the film and showing just enough of the story instead of the whole story. Somebody who put up on YouTube um, a while ago, after the first uh, Amazing Spider Man movie came out, they took all of the trailers and the promotional videos that had come out for the movie and cut together. A 26 minute long video that showed the entire plot, including all the major points in the film. That's ridiculous. The fact that there's 26 minutes of footage out there for, you know, for a two hour movie.
0: I I, I said the same thing about the Avengers trailer. Now I I I can't I don't remember what the runtime is for the Avengers, but when you take all the trailers, all the T V spots and all the behind the scenes scenes that you like they showed on like Entertainment Tonight and all that, that they showed almost forty minutes of the Avengers before the movie. And I'm just kinda like, Jesus
2: Christ! That's ridiculous. With the Avengers trailer, and this'll go back to how Cecil wraps up his video is The Avengers, the original teasers, they had Iron Man being chased by that thing, and that's just how the trailer ended. And that got everybody on the internet talking about, oh, 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 what is this? What is this? And people wanted to see the movie. Then they came out with trailers that showed you exactly what it is and its context to the story and all of that, which gives away all the twists there just by even knowing what it is. But that first teaser that just showed it without context and got people talking is how trailers should be. With all of the promotional materials
0: out there, let's just stick with the Avengers for right now. You saw, maybe not you know, in order or whatnot or even realizing it, if you watched all the trailers, all the TV spots, and all the behind-the-scenes that were available, you saw 40 minutes of this two-hour movie already. Isn't that a bit excessive when the movie hasn't even opened yet?
2: That's way too excessive. 40 minutes, that's, that's a good two-thirds of that movie. That
1: is my biggest pet peeve, is that trailers now show way too much of the film. And there are people who do like to see enough of the film to get a feel for it. There are some people that don't. I I,
0: I am one of those. You are one of those. I I, kind of like when the trailer is, and I'm one that doesn't mind spoilers, so I'm weird on this part, but is like a condensed version of the film. Like, look at the Predators trailer. The Predators trailer... Even though some of them are in quick cuts, like Lawrence Fishburne coming out of the cloak, wearing the Predator mask and all that, you see almost a complete story in that two and a half minutes. And I think that's a really cool way to do it. Although that one was deceptive too. Remember all of the triple lights on Adrian Brody at the end of that trailer? That is not in the film. I just thought of that one. That's another we lied to make the trailer look more cool. I do think that you're
1: crazy wanting to know the whole film, but I, I know there Spoilers, are people... Spoilers don't bug me. But but the problem is... I see... knew
0: that Jack and Tyler were the same person before I watched Fight Club, and I enjoyed it more. Because you got to remember, this is, you know, 99, so home video is still going to be six months down the line. So I didn't have to go see it again to go, oh, I see all the subliminal shit. nice. Yeah, but then you're
1: ruining that... that wow moment at the end of the movie for the first time i, I just don't understand that like it uh i think that the the movie uh they don't need to show you that much that's the biggest problem the marketing department does not care they they will tell you whatever they need to tell you to get you into the theater they're not looking at it from an artistic standpoint they're not looking at it from the director's point where he's like hey you're gonna ruin this movie And I understand it to a certain degree, because, yes, they do have to make their money back. But when you've got a major thing like that, I could just imagine if uh, The Sixth Sense came out now, they they couldn't wait. I'm sure some trailer would throw in that Bruce Willis, you know, spoiler, that Bruce Willis was really dead.
0: They would. now, Now, Cecil, I don't remember the trailer for The Crying Game. Should they have said that Jay Davidson is a dude? in that. I don't remember if they did, so I'm working on the assumption that they kept that a plot twist, even though it comes in relatively early in the film.
2: Pop culture spoiled that,
0: though. Okay, yeah, pop
1: culture spoiled that. Uh, okay, I... th- th-
0: then, then go back to then go back to Sleepaway Camp. If all well, of a sudden... Way, yeah, yeah,
1: we're going let, way
0: let, back, yeah. Go back to the Sleepaway Camp trailer. That's a dick! If you knew that she had a dick it, from the trailer, would you have been shocked at the end when you found out she had a dick? Because you knew, like, like, that. why would that be shocking anymore? So w- would that have ruined your enjoyment of Sleepaway Camp, putting yourself That's... in a 1981 mindset? Absolutely, dude. The first time I saw that, sometime actually in the
1: 90s, I remember we, you know, me and some friends were sitting around, and uh, I, I don't even remember why we got it. It was just like, oh, it's a slasher. Oh, you know, we threw it in. And when that end happened, everyone in the room was like, what it blew our freaking minds because nobody saw that coming and if they would have even implied that it would have completely undermined it it would have completely ruined it it just it wouldn't have had the impact and the effect that it did
2: I was introduced to sleepaway camp in the mid 90s through constantly looking on the internet for lists and stuff about shocking horror movies and everything I came across was always talking about you need to see sleepaway camp it has a shocking ending you need to watch this movie because of the ending. But sites back then were dignified enough to not give away what that ending was. So that's why I watched it, because I wanted to know what this ending was. If somebody had told me what it, the way it ended, I wouldn't have even bothered watching it. What about, you You
0: made the, the crack that for the crying game, pop culture ruined it. What about when you're introducing an older film to a younger audience in that exact manner? of a, 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 a twist that is so inundated in pop culture like the planet of the apes dvd set that has the half-buried statue of liberty with taylor standing in front of it as the cover do you think they can be blamed for doing that since pop culture you know that ending is such a part of pop culture now or do you think they should still kind of let people who for whatever reason may not know it was earth all along
1: that's one where uh, it, it's it's tough because you do want to introduce an audience to something like that and bring them in fresh but that good luck with 50 years of pop culture knowing that ending well i know well you'd be surprised man there are uh there are some people i, I was talking to a girl today who didn't know what a nine volt battery was so you know i think that there's always going to be people that just for whatever reason they just don't know about something and uh with that, it, it is tough because it has become such an iconic figure, an iconic picture. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I hate when a movie poster has uh, a spoiler in it like that. And um, more recently, Quarantine, which the trailer is the freaking end of the movie. Um, Oh,
0: it's actually the last shot of the movie. It's
1: the last shot of the goddamn movie. So uh, I just think that that in and of itself, it doesn't need to be. They could they could have another image uh, and it's not going to not, you know, all of a sudden they're going to change the uh, the the cover art for uh, Planet of the Apes and people are going to stop buying it because it's not the uh, frickin uh, Statue of Liberty picture.
0: They could put something else on there. For Planet of the Apes, you could do that. I remember they used to do posters for this back in the 70s. The the ape riding the horse, holding the gun to the sky, silhouetted against the uh, setting sun. That would still be an awesome cover. You already know it's a Planet of the Apes based on the title, but it doesn't ruin the ending, does it? They could do something like that.
1: There's so many things that they could do, but a lot of times they just take the easy way.
2: Well, the thing with Planet of the Apes that's been around so long that I really can't get too mad for spoiling i think it's hilarious that they do choose to spoil it that way with like the dvd covers and whatnot but the only people that don't know how that movie ends at this point are kids and you can get away with not letting them see the dvd cover that's not that hard
0: i i guess my larger question then which i know we moved off of trailers but for marketing is it wise when when something is so ingrained in pop culture to use that pop culture to sell it. For instance, you brought up the Sixth Sense, Cecil. Now it would be sold Bruce Willis as a ghost. Do, do you think that, they, that they're wise, like when they put out the DVD, that they didn't sell it as Bruce Willis is a ghost? Or do you think if they had, they might have made that a bigger hit on home video? Absolutely, I think that the smart thing to do was to not
1: put that on there. Because that was one of the greatest
0: reveals i know you're i don't know how you feel how do you feel about the sixth sense i I liked it when i saw it in the theater that the performances were uniformly good and i am not being a hipster here i when i saw that in the theater i saw it opening week i did not know the ending i called the twist ending about five minutes before it was revealed in my head i started putting all the clues together and called it before it happened so i wasn't as shocked when it happened because I was able to start putting the map together in my head. Okay. I mean, that's that's fine. I was just curious. But um, I do think that it
1: is one of the best reveals in cinematic history. It's one of those, holy shit, so many people did not see that coming. And uh, the only reason I saw it coming was because a jackass that I worked with, the night when I was getting ready to go see it, uh, he's like, oh, I saw that movie last night. Oh, you'll never guess what happens at the end and as soon as somebody says that then i'm watching the movie in a different way i'm paying attention to things more because i know there's going to be some kind of twist so it did kind of get ruined it for me because because he, he couldn't you know not tell me I think that it was smart for them to not put that in there because when you tell somebody either you like if you tell somebody that there's a twist that's as bad as telling them the twist because then you're looking for it. And if they would have put on there, you know, with it with an ending so shocking, or if they would have flat out said that, uh, you know, Bruce Willis is a ghost, it would completely undermine the film and you would
0: watch it differently the first time instead of just watching it. But look at the way they used to sell stuff back in the 70s. Look at the trailers for Soylent Green or The Andromeda Strain. Two great films. Look at the trailers for those, though. The trailers, I mean, the trailer for The Andromeda Strain outright says, again, home video is not even in market at this point, no one will be seated during the last 20 minutes of this film, so the ending cannot be ruined. And Soylent Green is with an ending so shocking that no one will be be admitted to the theater during the last half hour. That they would sell these movies as, you're never going to see the ending of this coming. And to be fair... So Greens was kind of a shock. Andromeda strains. wasn't a shock so much as the only action in the whole film is in the last 10 minutes. And I love the Andromeda Strain, so I'm not bitching about the movie cuz it's a brilliant build up to that action scene. That's the way they sold them in the 70s for God's sake.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's nothing new, which is what I pointed out in the video, which was cuz I wanted to head people off of the pass. I started off with trailers have always had problems keep going with the status quo and they keep giving the same thing over and over again and instead of trying something new and maybe having success in another way like oh we cut the trailer this way and it got people really excited and they went to see the movie and it was a big hit and then that becomes the next cliche that they do for however long
2: sometimes it works I mean like I said not necessarily the trailer but people telling me that Sleepaway Camp had a shocking ending that's what got me to watch the movie it can work if there is follow through. If, if you know, they advertise it's going to have a shocking ending and it doesn't. Yeah. I'm going to be pissed.
0: Okay. Now, before we close out tonight, let's go over a quick list or, you know, our personal issues with great trailers for bad movies and bad trailers for great movies. I got to look at like Exorcist two. Exorcist two is a bad movie in every traditional sense. It's insanely rewatchable because of how bad it is. But exorcist 2 has such an amazing trailer that i think it was a last ditch hail mary to try and save that movie and it kind of did in a way but then look at tron the original tron that had three trailers well, a teaser and two trailers and they were awful i don't remember what i mean probably just tron itself got me to go see it back in 82 but my god, those, the trailers for the original Tron are terrible. I don't think Disney's executives or trailer cutters knew how to sell Tron because they certainly didn't do
2: it with the trailers. No, they certainly did not do it with the trailers. Exorcist 2 does have an amazing trailer and that movie is awful. He flies on a moth's wing. But then again, it goes back to the whole, they just want you to see the movie. They don't care if you like it or not. I'll say bad movie with a great teaser 90s
1: godzilla the teasers that they had were awesome where the uh the group of kids go to the museum and they're looking at the t-rex and the big foot comes godzilla's foot comes down and crushes the t-rex and that oh my god did i want to see that i did not care i was so excited i'm like yes this is going to be an awesome big budget godzilla movie and then it was a movie That just was about the the reporter, and it was about them mispronouncing Matthew Broderick's name, and then it was frickin' Jurassic Park at the end. I was so irritated, because the teaser for that was fantastic, and then the movie ended up being just completely mediocre.
0: Alex Jowski, sell people on where they can find you! At geekjuicemedia.com, which is just the most awesome site on the internet. In a world where Cecil T. has his own website.
1: You can find me at brum, GoodBadFlix.com as well as woo uh, GeekJuiceMedia.com
0: And I'm not even going to do any of that. So you can find me at <laughs> 1201Beyond.com GeekJuiceMedia.com And you can contact the show at 1201Beyond at gmail.com Have a good night, guys.
2: Four years ago, The Exorcist shocked the world. Now, the struggle between good and evil goes on. Exorcist II. The Heretic.